Amen. Amen. Um, if you want, you turn your Bibles this morning to John chapter 15. And um, this has been a message. We did a series on this with the students and um, pastor kind of messed me up. I'm not going to lie. He was talking the last two weeks about the rapture. And, um, and I was like, God, what's after that? Like, it's over. Amen. We're out of here. Like, there's nothing else to talk about. Like, peace out. Amen. And, um, and then I'm like, so we got the rapture and then we got Easter next Sunday. I'm like, these are like two monumental like moments in, in throughout the word of God. Like, this is it. And I'm like, God, what am I supposed to fill in the gap with? And, um, and I had a bunch of stuff and I've been studying some other things. And so I like, I felt like like, a, I don't even know what was going on in my, I have this game on my phone, it's called Balls, it just like goes like this, like bounces around and you knock bricks and I felt like that's what I was doing and I'm like, God, what is it? And, and I feel like God finally spoke to me and I believe that he's going to speak to some hearts in this room today because um, I, I believe we live in a time, as pastor's been talking about our exodus, um, how many of you know that whenever there's a promise, there's always um, a war that takes place before the promise? Amen. I've yet to find in the word of God where, where there was a promise and they just like, it just fell in their lap. Amen. It was something that they had to fight for. It was something that they had to, to be aggressive about. And so I believe that um, God's going to give some of you a, a key. Maybe you felt like you've been in a fight for far too long and uh, you maybe feel like you've hit the end of the road too many times or what's next. But I believe that today he'll speak to you. So John chapter 15 and verse number 13. I, I love this image. I don't know if you guys have ever seen it. Just the cross equals love. I, I think it's one of the most um, sim simple yet so profound images I've ever seen. And um, it really began to stir in my heart when I read this verse. John chapter 15 and verse number 13 says, greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You see, as we think about today in the timeline of um, our beliefs and with Sunday, next Sunday being Easter, today is what is recognized as Palm Sunday. And, um, and you know, it's something that maybe more traditionally they honor, you know, in the, in the Christian charismatic moments. We don't put a lot of hype into, um, into Palm Sunday or we don't get into it as much as the um, formal act. I remember as a kid, my grandma would pick me up early and, and drag me to a, a Methodist church. And I remember one year, we got out on Palm Sunday and, and we took over the downtown. The church was right in downtown and a big Methodist church. And I remember, you know, we all had palm branches and, and we laid them down and stuff. And it was, and, you know, as a kid, I'm like, whatever, cool. We got these big, huge branches and clueless as to what was even happening, right? And so, but I remember that and I was thinking, man, where do I find palm branches today? I couldn't find any. So I got a shirt that kind of looks like a palm branch. Amen. This morning, Jesus was about to display something that has never been seen or experienced before. I believe today Jesus wants to display something to you today that will open your heart to experience possibly what you've been searching for all your life. See, to me, true love is not something we see displayed in our world today. How many of you have noticed that love has lost its meaning? You know what I mean? I mean, I, I don't mean that in a heartless way, but I, I just find it so funny how quick we throw the word love. Amen. And, and how easily our love is thrown one way and, and then thrown another. And, you know, none of the adults do this, but I, I get to hang out with teenagers and, you know, one minute they're in love with this person. And then like, seriously, like the next day, all of a sudden they're in love with this person. And, you know, this is, you know, and I know adults don't do that. We're like way 
more mature. Like we got this down, right? Like our love is true. And, um, you know, our affections are true unless you're a Raiders fan and now you hate them because they're moving. Amen. I don't even know. Is, is there even a Raiders fan in here? Oh, we'll pray for you guys. Amen. I'm kidding. It's not like the 49ers have anything better to offer. That's the only sports reference I'm going to use today. All right. As I began to think about true love and, and what the Bible has about love and and this verse greater love has no one than this talking about what jesus christ was about to do for all of humanity amen it was something that had never been seen before something that's never been experienced and quite honestly something that can never be replaced and as you read in your bible matthew chapter 21 if you have your bible this morning you can turn there if you were hoping for an outline i'm sorry i put it on the wall you can write it down type it in your phone take pictures um, whatever you need to do. Um, I was actually, can I brag on the teenagers for a minute? Tuesday night we were talking about calling and, um, pastor always does this. You know, he tells us to get rid of our electronics and I'm rebellious and like my notes are in there. My sermons are in here. My, I mean, this is like my briefcase and stuff. And so Tuesday night I just put it out. Brandon had this little bucket that says for your cell phones, you know, put your phone in here. And so I just put it up front and, and I asked him like, if you feel like your phone's going to be a distraction, you know, here's a bucket. You can put your phone in there. And I'm not joking. How many phones did we have in this? I mean, it was overflowing with phones Tuesday night. It was, in, it was incredible. I felt such pressure because now they had nothing to distract them from me. I had to have something good to say. Amen. They didn't have Snapchat or Instagram or anything anymore. They just had me. And that's it. Amen. So if your phone's a distraction, I don't know. There's an offering bucket somewhere. Matthew chapter 21 and verse number one says, Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, what, I, I stumble over some of these words, at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, Go into the village opposite of you, and immediately you'll find a gigantic white stallion horse tied up. I thought about putting an image out on social media of a donkey saying, come hear what this guy has to say at church tomorrow. But for some reason, I didn't think that would give the right impression. <laughs> Anyways, thank you. It says, go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find not a horse, but a donkey tied in a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone, anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord has need of them. And immediately he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which is spoken by the prophet Isaiah, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, lowly, sitting not on a horse, but on a donkey, a colt. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded him. They brought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes on them, sent him on them, and a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down the branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And I began to read this as we celebrate Palm Sunday, and that's what this passage of Scripture is referring to, was Jesus's triumphant entry into Jerusalem and, and really about to lay down his life as the greatest friend that humanity will ever know. Amen? And uh, I began to think about why would, I mean, he's Jesus. Why wouldn't he pick a horse? I mean, 
In our culture today, a donkey is, is, we've lost some things. Can we just be honest for a moment? I mean, if you saw somebody riding on a donkey today, you would kind of be like, yeah, you'd kind of be like, what are you doing on a donkey? Like, it's just like, it doesn't make sense. Like, why aren't you on a horse, right? Like, and, um, and so I began to study this and, and find out, like, you know, through the Old Testament, we've lost a lot of things in our day, but the symbolism of the donkey refers to the Eastern tradition that is, that is, that it is an animal. Sorry, I'm stumbling a little bit. It is an animal of peace. Okay. The donkey represented the animal of peace versus the horse, which is the animal of war. A king would have ridden a horse when he was bent on war and ridden a donkey to symbolize his arrival in peace. Think about that for, isn't that cool? I love the word of God. That's why you got to be careful when you read it, because when you just take it at face value, you miss so much of what's, what's transpiring, because things meant stuff. Like, you know, we, we go to the car lot today, and we're like, Honda, Toyota, GMC, Ford, Dodge. Depends on which one you want to work on all the time, right? Like, you kind of pick your poison, right? And, um, but, like, in, in the biblical times, like, there was a reason why they drove the certain car they drove, amen? Like, they picked, <laughs> right? Us today, we're like, yeah, I just like this. Amen? We don't even think about it. But here Jesus' entry to Jerusalem would have thus symbolized his entry as the prince of peace, not a war-waging king. See, when the kings came in war or exercising authority, they rode a horse. When they came in peace, they rode their donkey. And on this day, Jesus set the stage for true love to be revealed to everyone, no matter what their perception of him was. And I'm excited next Sunday. I'm trying to set the stage for what pastor is going to share next Sunday for Easter. But today, I have a question for you. What is the greatest story you've ever heard? Now, I am a, I'm the kind of guy that loves to watch, like, shoot them up. Like, you know, like, like I'm a, I don't, how do I say this? I'm like, yeah, born like Rambo. Don't watch it unless it's edited, okay? But I'm like Rambo, like Rocky, right? But then there's, I'm going to tell myself, like, there's, I'm a, like, I like the strong stuff, right? Like, I like to, the, the cop stuff, the investigative stuff, the, like, cliffhanger stuff, right? I do not like chick flicks, And my wife, she knows it. And she's like, do you want to just watch a movie? And I'm like, yeah, like Avengers. And she wants to watch like these. She has to have like Becca over to get her chick flick fill. Okay. Because I'm just like, I fall asleep. Like if it does not have somebody shooting somebody in the first five minutes, I'm out. Any, any friends in the house this morning? Amen. Thank you. Are any girls like that? Like, you don't even like chick flicks. Like, you like the, thank you, one, thank you, Wendy, a couple, some honest people in the house. Now I'm going to meddle a little bit. How many of you guys like a good book? Like, you just, there is something wrong with you people. Amen. I'm a picture guy, okay? But you got, like, I remember my mom growing up, like, she has her favorite author, like, these novels. Like, she couldn't wait for the next book to come out. How many of you are like that? Like, you're a bookie. Like, you got your, your story, your guy, your girl that writes these stories and stuff, and you just can't get enough of them, or they write these movies, and, you know, you're a Gilmore Girls kind of girl. Like, whatever it is. 
Because there's something in us like that loves, look at some of you guys are like trying to recap, like what is that? Like, okay, but there's some, what is the greatest book you've ever read? What's the greatest movie? Like what's the one that's impacted you most? That love story that, you know, if we could be honest, we've kind of tried to take as a, as a blueprint for what we would like to experience our life like. Amen. We kind of get lost in these things because we're like, I kind of want to, God, it would be cool like if he like proposed to me like that, if he like, you know, wanted to like snuggle with me like that, like took me on dates like that, like did these things for me. And like you just kind of begin to build this, this expectation of what should come in life. Amen. Am I meddling too much or is this okay? Amen. And then there's me that's like, I wish I could be Jack Bauer, right? Like I just wish. And now he's in a designated survivor. I love it. Amen. So what's the greatest story you've ever heard? I believe in the coming days during this week in biblical time is actually the greatest story that's ever been told. Amen. It's the greatest love story that's ever been written. It's the greatest story that will ever touch your life. It will have far more impact than anything you could ever read, watch, hear. This story is something that has desperately been tried to be duplicated throughout history. Books, movies have been written, songs have been sung, and yet they only scratch the surface of what this story really is. I love the worship this morning. I don't know how you guys just stand there. Like when I hear some of these songs, they just, they grip me and they just, they, they just, Oh man, they just transformed me, man. I come in and when they were singing tremble and it just, the words, like I can't hold still because of how powerful those declarations are for my life. And some of you, I, I pray that you'll get a hold of it and you just can't, you start jumping off the chairs and climbing over people and we'll get crowd surfing going. Amen. Because this story is alive. Can I tell you, we went to my city a couple weeks ago. I'm, this is a whole different crowd. I got different stuff coming out. They, they called two youth pastors up in front at Capitol Christian Center, thousands, I don't even know, like three to 4,000 teenagers. And they're like, we need two youth pastors. And so I go up there and another guy, and, and they're building it up. Like, we got a race. Like, they're building up this race. They pull out a sled, like a snow sled, right? Like the old little plastic long ones that maybe two people could sit on, like the little thin ones with the rope out front. And I'm thinking, what are we going to do? Like they're going to pull me up the aisle way, right? Like it's a pretty long aisle way, Capital Christian. I'm like, sweet, yeah, let's go for a ride, right? And they're like, no, you're going to crowd surf in the sled. You want to talk about this probably is the greatest act of faith I've ever walked out in my life. Like I had to lay backwards on this sled and trust teenagers <laughs> to carry me up the aisle, down this way, and back this way, and over. Like, they still have wooden pews. They're passing me upside down, backwards, over pews. And I'm thinking, I'm slipping and sliding in this thing. And I'm like, I'm going to die. Like, I'm seriously going to be a dead man. I'm going to die at a youth conference but I'm going to do it to touch a young person. Amen? I'm going to be a form of Jesus for a minute. I love what the Bible says. <laughs> I just hit puberty. Romans chapter 10 and verse number 21. See, I got into my teenager mode. Says, go ahead. As it is written, 
all day long, I have stretched out my hand to a disobedient and contrary people. Think about how much God loves us. And you begin to think about Jesus setting the stage. I don't know um, how you define love or, or friendship, but much of our love in our world today is superficial, isn't it? Much of our love is really with an agenda to receive something from people instead of giving something to people. Right? I mean, I remember, I like to tell on myself because I feel like I've made enough mistakes in life. I got enough baggage I can talk about. Um, I remember being a teenager and seeing that girl that I would like to date. Right? Like, and so, you know, you start hanging out a little bit and, and then the word love was like, it was almost like a key. Right? Like, when I dropped the love word, I'm getting all access. You guys are laughing because you're like, that's so true. Right? We weren't saying love because of what, what we were going to give. We were saying love because of what we were, you know. Sorry, I'm meddling for a second. But that's the, that's the love our world has today. Is, is our love is, is really superficial because it's all about getting instead of giving. And I think that's why sometimes we have a hard time comprehending what true love is because Jesus came in, wrapped in love not to take anything from us, but to give everything he has to us. Amen? Because if he came to get something from us, he would have showed up into Jerusalem on a horse and demanding his rightful place as the king. But he didn't, did he? He came as a humble servant on a donkey because he came in peace. Amen? So walk with me for a moment this morning. When it comes to true love, it really is something we all long to find in life. It's something that can't be bought or earned. It's something that drives humanity in a way that we so desperately reach for that many times we allow painful things to take place in our lives because we just want to feel loved. How many times, nobody in this room has ever been a part of the situation, but how many of you guys know that person that from the outside looking in, you go, why are you in such an abusive situation? Why are you allowing this to happen to yourself? And you've talked to them. You're like, run, whatever you got to do, get out of there. But because they so desperately are searching and desiring to be loved, they're willing to endure something painful because of what they want to have. But the beautiful part is Romans 3.10 says, as it is written, there's none righteous, not one. There is none perfect. Amen? We all make mistakes. How many of you or a friend this morning that has made mistakes. I'm not up here because I'm righteous. I'm up here because I'm a man in need of a Savior, and his name is Jesus Christ. So because of this desperation, many times we're willing to neglect what is true to gain what is fake. See, we neglect the truth because we think the fake thing has something more to offer than what is true. But I love what Jesus said in John 1, 11. 
I have a lot of scripture this morning, but I feel like then it's not me talking, it's the word of God. He said he came to his own people, but they didn't want him. But whoever did want him, who believed he was who he claimed and would do what he said, he made to be their true selves. Listen to me, friends. When you get a hold of what true love is, when you get a hold of the fact that that Jesus came riding on a donkey, not because he's trying to take anything from you, but he's trying to give everything to you. When you get a hold of who he truly is, he will make you to be your true selves. You won't find yourself looking for love in all the wrong places. Can I get a friend in the house this morning, right? I think there's a song that sings something like that. I don't know because I don't listen to that, but I just, for some reason, it came to my mind, amen? But there's (laughs) he made them to be their true selves, their child of God selves. These are the what? The God begotten, not by blood, not by flesh, not by sex, but God's. Think about this for a moment. In spite of everything we do, we're not perfect. In spite of everything we do, he still desires to love us more than anything we can comprehend. This is the greatest display of love that mankind can ever experience. It doesn't make sense, nor is it even comprehensible to the human mind. How many of you would still love people that have spit, rejected, lied about you, misunderstood you, all the while knowing that you were given to them as a gift? I mean, I'm a Christian. I'm a pastor. I'm a dad. I'm a husband. And I am trying so hard to be the perfect one of all those people. But can I tell you that every day I mess up? Every day I fall short. Every day I miss this this perfection. I hate it when I do something that upsets somebody. It it grieves me. I hate it when when I do something or or say something the wrong way. it, It grieves me because I'm trying to be a a representative of Jesus Christ. I never want to push people away. I'm trying to bring people to him. But isn't Jesus amazing? That even though he was rejected and spit on and mocked and and ridiculed, the Bible says in Romans 5.15 that he was the free gift. For by one man's offense many died, but much more the grace of God. And the gift by the grace of one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. So this morning, what are you looking for in love? What do you look for in love? Why do you want to be loved so bad? What is it in us that that drives us to, to want to hear those words? I know nobody in here is probably like this, but I know... Teenagers, they look and they have all these insecurities and when we grow up, we lose them all. We don't have them anymore. So the, the kids, you know, they, they look in the mirror. I don't, we don't do this because we're adults. Um, but they look in the mirror and they, they begin to discredit who they are. They begin to compare and, and contrast and examine their life in reflection of somebody else's and you know, I know none of us do that. We don't, you know, compare cars in the parking lot and houses and clothes and all that. We don't do that. Or hair and nails or <clears throat> purses or whatever else you girls like. Um, 
we don't, we don't look at that stuff, right? We don't determine levels of anything based on those things. Um, but yet, why do we want to be loved so bad? And I feel like God has shown me something in this that's just for me. And if you guys want it, you can have it too. But I, I think that at the end of the day, I know for myself, I wasn't looking for love. I was looking for peace. Because something happens when, when somebody says the word love. It does something internally, doesn't it? Even if I'm in an abusive situation and they finish the abuse with I love you. You follow me for a second? Because deep down inside, when I hear the word love, I come to a place that I'm okay with who I am. As long as somebody accepts me, I'm okay. And Jesus said to the woman at the well, says, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give will never thirst. Think about what you're thirsting for today, what you're longing for today. Relationships aren't going to fill it. Your career is not going to satisfy it. Your accumulation of things on this earth is not going to satisfy it. Stand up to your feet real quick, if you would. Please, everybody in the room. You guys have all been an amazing audience. It's time to go home. No, I'm kidding. I'm just being silly. Let's see how obedient you guys are. Joe, stand up. I want you to look to that person to your right and ask them one question. Are you ready? Now turn to the person to the left and ask them, are you ready? It was one question. Listen to you guys. So now what I want you to do is get your feet about shoulder width apart. Okay. Now, Pastor, I don't know if you guys caught this last week, but I think this is good for us to do as a congregation. And you're going to find out why. What I want you to do on the count of three, you're just going to do a simple jump. Okay. You guys ready? One. Two, three, jump. Okay, everybody is supposed to jump. One, two, three, jump. There's some of you, your head isn't even moving. Okay, at least like, at least go like this. Do tiptoes, okay? Like, make your head elevate. That's all I need, all right? So the first service, they didn't have as much caffeine, but at least they did this on the first try and the second try. All right, ready? One, two, three, jump. Some of you are stubborn. Is that what it is? All right, you can sit down. Those of you that didn't jump, pastor says you're getting left behind. (sighs) 
You know, I love that because pastor said that last week, like it's just rapture ready practice, right? Like you jump in, right? Like that's the whole, right? We want to go up and, and I feel like how to, how to bridge what pastor's been talking about with the rapture and, and being ready for Christ's return. And now we're coming into, to Easter and everything Christ represents. Can I tell you the one thing that's going to keep us from jumping and not ever landing again is going to be our place of peace. Amen? See, this morning we feel that if I felt loved enough that I would come to peace within myself. See, peace isn't something you find or discover on your own or in people. True peace can only be found in surrender. There's some of you today, you're lacking peace because you're lacking surrender. The assurance of God's love, God's help, and God's presence is what takes the stress out of living. Listen to me as I begin to land this morning. Isaiah 54 and verse number 10 says, For my mountains, for the mountains may depart and the hills be removed, but my steadfast love shall not depart from you. The scenery may change, but my love never changes. Situations may change. Circumstances may change, but my love shall never depart. And my covenant of peace shall not be moved. This morning, because of his peace, I can walk through any situation. Think about it. He came as the Prince of Peace. And if you want to like fill in the blanks, I don't know how you guys think when I read stuff like this. He knew what was the end before the beginning. He knew what he was going to go through, even though he said, Father, why me? He knew what the end was. He knew what the promise, he knew it all. I believe, you can believe what you want, but I'm going to fill in the blank with, I think, that him coming as the Prince of Peace, one, it fulfilled the prophetic promises that were in the Old Testament. It's what the kings did when they came into a city instead of an, you know, a sign that we're here to, to conquer and take over. We're, we're coming as a sign of peace. I believe that Jesus was, number one, showing the people a sign of peace. But number two, I want to believe that it was something for himself. That God, I'm, I'm okay with about what I'm going to go through. I'm okay with the fact that that I'm about to endure something that humanity has never seen. So this morning, Colossians 3 and verse number 2 says, Set your affections on things above, not on things of the earth. You know, I said because of his peace, I can walk through any situation. This morning, some of you are walking through situations, but you don't have the peace of God carrying you through it. 
Some of you are walking through physical situations where you need the peace of God to be alive in your life so that you can get to the end and inherit the promise that God has for your life. Some of you are walking through some spiritual situations where you need the peace of God to carry you through them because if you don't, it's not going to end well. But can I tell you today that if you will set your affections on him, keep your eyes on him, that the Prince of Peace will carry you through any situation in your life. As we were, I didn't even ask if I could share this with them. So guys, if you get mad at me, I'm sorry. But I was looking at all these kids up here. And every single one of them has a crazy story. I'm not talking like, oh, I was just a teenager and I just, like, no, they're, I'm not going to get into the details, but there's some amazing situations that God has rescued almost every single one of these people from. It's not because they're special. It's not because they're better than anybody else. It's not because they're God's favorite, I'm God's favorite. It's because it's because God loves every single one of us so much. He sent his son to be the greatest friend known to humanity. As I close today, James chapter 1 and verse number 4. You know, we can't fully love until we receive God's love. We can't fully rest in peace until we understand how much he loves us and received his peace. I can't walk through situations where I lay in a hospital bed for three weeks and I should be dead like one of the young ladies that was on the stage this morning. but it's the peace of God that allows you to know that God loves me so much that he's going to carry me through whatever I face in this life. And James says, let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If you think about it for a moment, Patience and peace are not exchangeable. If you don't have patience, you'll never have peace. And if you don't have peace, you're never going to have patience. And if you drive on the freeway of California, you will never have patience. <laughs> I grew up in Montana, and um, so there's, there is asphalt there. There is electricity. There is running water, and there is freeways. 
And, um, and there, the freeway is two lanes. So I grew up learning in driver's education that the, the right lane is for those that want to travel speed limit or under, right? That's it, period. If you, you can drive however fast you want. If it's 55, 60, and a 70, go ahead. Right there, perfect, okay? The, the next lane over is, is called the passing lane, express lane, you know, ride or die lane, whatever you want to call it. But for some reason, in this state, people think because there's multiple lanes that it's do whatever you want, wherever you want. And here's the deal. Like, <laughs> I'm a work in progress. Nobody else in here is. I get it. But I got this truck now. And I've always had like a little car, little go, I always call them go-karts, like beep, 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 right? Well, now I kind of got like a, a bigger truck. It's not as, not quite as tall as Donnie's, but that's because he's shorter than me. And um, <laughs> I had to get him. I owed him. But it's, it's up there. Like, it's not like, you know, I don't have like suspension and big wheels and all that cool stuff like he does. He's got a cool truck. And, um, but I'm up there pretty high. And can I tell you, there's times where I'm going down the freeway, regardless of the speed, doesn't matter. Like, just move over. Like, there's two more lanes to the right. Get over, right? Like, with my truck, I got to, like, really pray in tongues. Like, so don't run them over. Like, because you pull up on some of those, like, really economic cars. They told me in first service, I can't say it again. But you know which ones they are. Like, they think they own the road because they're emissions free. I don't care. Get out of my way. Like, because I'm going the speed limit. You're not. Move, right? See, all of you guys are like reliving all those moments. <laughs> yeah, don't get in the car with me. Um, but I share that because how many times in our life as believers are we in the truck and God's will isn't moving at our speed? God's promise isn't moving as fast as we would like it to. So we're like, eh, eh. I've never done this, but maybe flashing the lights at God. Like, get out of the way. Let patience have its perfect work. Jesus came riding on a donkey. Donkeys don't run. It's a smooth, steady ride. In your life today, when you get a hold of patience, like I've been trying to get a hold of for 20 years, your life will be perfect. Peace will reign in your heart. 
And then Colossians 3.16 says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. What's the key to peace and patience? Letting the word of Christ dwell. Somebody threw that there. Richly in our lives. This morning, why does God desperately want peace to reign in our lives? Because there's something he wants to do through our lives. There's a work that he has for each one of us. And as long as I lack peace, I lack walking in his promise. As long as I'm chasing something to fill the love void in my life, I'm missing out on being used by God. I'm missing out on the promise that God has for my life. The worship team would come back. You're four minutes late. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Listen to this this morning. It says, May Jesus himself and God our Father, who reached out in love and surprised you with gifts of unending help and confidence. How many of you were ready for Jesus to show up? One, couple, okay. I wasn't ready, but I was desperate. But can I tell you this morning that when he showed up, when he reached out to me, he grabbed me and he said, Sean, I love you more than you'll ever comprehend. Even though you've been a disobedient, you've turned your back on me. You use my name in vain. I reached out in love and I've surprised you with gifts of unending help and confidence. I put a fresh heart in you to invigorate your work and enliven your speech. This morning, I believe there's two different people in this room. Actually, there's three. First one is God saying, today's your day. Heaven is reaching down. Saying, I'm ready to grab you. I'm ready to rescue you. I'm ready to introduce you to the Prince of Peace. Second one today is you've been rescued. You know Jesus. But for some reason, today, you've allowed the things of this world to steal your affection for the work that he has for your life. And I believe that God wants to reinvigorate your life. That he wants 
to enliven your speech. You know what the greatest story ever told is? The one you get to tell of what Jesus Christ has done for you. Next week, pastor is going to share who do you say I am? And I didn't even see this until this morning when I was reading back over the notes in my scripture. Listen, Matthew 21 and verse 10. And when he come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved. Saying, who is this? Would you bow your heads this morning? said there was a third person in here this morning and that third one is the person that you're in that perfect place of peace God's using you, he's flowing through you, you're seeing lives touched and changed, you're seeing God do the miraculous in your life praise God but this morning I asked the band to just sing this this verse this is He brings it all to peace. I'm just going to ask them to begin to sing that. I want you to let those words begin to resonate in your heart this morning. Would you stand to your feet? Amen. Go ahead, guys. Peace, bring it all to peace. The storm surrounding me, let it break. At your name, still call the sea to still. Just the rage close your eyes. This still Listen to these words. At your name, sing Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. You make the darkness tremble, Jesus, Jesus. You silence fear, Jesus, Jesus. You make the darkness tremble, Jesus, Jesus. Breathe, call these bones to leave, call these lungs to sing once again. I will praise Jesus, Jesus. You make the darkness tremble, Jesus, Jesus. You silence fear, Jesus, Jesus. You make the darkness tremble, Jesus, Jesus.